All right, it's time for Bob's Record Collection, sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Musician Branford Marcellus continues to thrill audiences around the world. From his initial recognition as a young jazz performer, he has expanded his vision as an instrumentalist, composer, band leader, and educator, crossing stylistic boundaries while maintaining an unwavering creative integrity. He's won three Grammy Awards, a Tony nomination for his work as a composer on Broadway, a citation by the National Endowment for the Arts as a jazz master, and a 2021 Primetime Emmy nomination. Branford will be performing at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts on Tuesday, January 23rd. For tickets, you can visit Ticketmaster.com. And Branford Marcellus joins us this morning. Branford, thank you for joining us. Hey, Dave. Thank you. You know, you grew up in New Orleans, uh, the jazz capital, and you were playing the clarinet at the age of 14. And I've heard you share this story before. It's a great story. When you decided to pivot to the saxophone, for what you say (laughs) (laughs) was a shallow reason... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Share that story. I followed, I followed three, I followed three pretty girls into a dance. Mm-hmm. It was kind of that first moment when I, I you know, I, I thought of girls as something different, and uh, I was too shy to talk to them. So, in my best teenage plans, I said, "Hey, <laughs> if I join a band like this, then I can meet girls." So uh, I never spoke to the girls. I went home and told my parents I wanted a saxophone, Yeah, which I then got two months later around Christmas. And I did join a band. And then I learned that the girls talked to the singers and the guitar players before they talked to everyone else. So I still didn't get the girls, but <laughs> I got stuck with a saxophone. You got stuck with it. Yeah, I was going to say, but it led you into this direction, which has been a very big part of your life. Yeah, it's funny how that works out. Right. I'd like to thank thank those three ladies, whether you know, those three young ladies for setting me on a path that I had no idea would occur. Exactly. Ex- absolutely. You played jazz, you played bing bang, you played rock, but jazz is really where your heart is at, isn't it? I mean, my heart is in all of them, to be honest. I mean, I don't I enjoy everything I do equally. But uh, for whatever reason, that that's the thing that that where I, I do derive the most. I could say, you know, intellectual and emotional pleasure. Uh, and so I always wind up going back to that. It's the thing I just and I didn't start out. I started out as a as an R and B guy and a rock and roll guy. I didn't start listening to jazz with any intent until I was twenty years old. But it just grabbed me. And uh, I really do love playing it. But I also love playing the other things as well. Well, and you've constantly kept your music, no matter what genre it is. Your performance is very fresh. And it is sometimes about the people you're playing with, but improvising and everyone improvising together is really key to make that happen. Yeah, like the the word improvisation has been just like corrupted beyond belief. I think that the best way to describe what improvisation actually is, is to go back hundreds of years to the 18th century when uh, there there was a technique, you know, without getting too nerdy, called basso continuo. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever listened to a Baroque record, and I'm sure everyone has listened at least to one, Mozart or something Mm -hmm. like that, the thing you have to think about is that when the harpsichord, which is the early version of the piano, is playing, the only thing that exists 
on the music is the top line, which is the melody, and the bottom line, which is the bass. And everything you hear in between there is the harpsichord is essentially improvising his or her part. And that's what, what improvisation is to me. It's not a series of, you know, calculated licks that you play at the right time when the right chord shows up. It's knowing enough music to allow yourself to be spontaneous in the moment and to react to everything that is going on around you. As I say, right, it's about listening. It's about listening to one another and seeing where yeah. they're at on a piece. It's like interviewing here on the radio. You have to listen to make sure the conversation flows properly, but it's the same with music. You have to listen. That's exactly it. Yeah. And in, in, in the, 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 the direction that a conversation goes in uh, is based on multitudes of things, not a specific thing. One thing is vocabulary. Like, you know, uh, an inability to speak the language makes for a very limited interview. It's true. Uh, and an, 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 an inability to understand the language also makes for a very limited interview. And all the things that occur in conversation, uh, what's the difference between uh, fact and irony? Uh, tone. Mm -hmm. The thing that separates fact from irony is delivery. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, in music, we spend, in music school study, we spend uh, almost no time on the subtleties, on the, on, the, on the subtleties and the things that make music really unique. And it's the same kind of thing. What makes uh, what makes for a good uh, solo in the rock and roll genre has more to do with uh, has more to do with uh, tone and subtlety than it has to do with being the correct note being played and the correct chord sequence at the same time. Well, you can hear that in in everything you do, like your own style, your own way. But you know, you've also performed in recorded with a who's who of jazz giants, including Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie, Herbie Hancock, and and then other rock names like Sting and the Grateful Dead and, and Phil Collins. Like, when you play with them, Branford, like, do you, is, is, do you pinch yourself playing with some of these greats, or was it just everyone just being a musician playing with one another? Yeah, I mean, you, you pinch yourself off stage. You don't pinch yourself on stage. Right. Just, yeah. You know, I have to uh, hear the song... And this is where my, my, my upbringing really leads to an advantage for me because uh, growing up playing popular music, if I'm suddenly playing in a popular music situation, uh, pursuant to what I said earlier, uh, I have a, for lack of a better term, rock and roll vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I have a vocabulary, so I'm not going to be playing with Sting and suddenly blowing out jazz riffs right, right. or playing with a classical tone. It's that you have to understand the context of the music that you're playing with. And I was lucky enough to have experienced that first and foremost in my developing music career. So whenever I'm in those musical situations, it's not like I'm going to a new thing as I'm going back to a thing. The first thing that I was intimately familiar with. Fast forward to just a couple of months ago, Netflix released a film called Ruskin produced by Brock and Michelle Obama's production company, higher ground. It's about gay civil rights activists, B.R. Rustin, and despite incredible odds, he managed to organize the March on Washington in 1963. Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech at the event. The soundtrack is all you. And what is the difference for you when you write music for a new album for yourself, one of your own, or comparatively when you're writing for a film? When you, when, 
when I'm writing a song, I'm writing what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm writing for a, a film, I'm I'm writing to what I'm seeing. And again, another acquired skill. Uh, this the power of instrumental music, which is one thing that I have to tell my students because it would never occur to you as a young person when you're trying to execute complicated chord structure. The power of instrumental music is the ability to have an emotional effect on listeners without the aid of words, which means that you have to under, you have to have a sonic understanding on what to use that can create the right emotional effect at the right time. Yeah, very different. I mean, very different than just just creating music for a new album, or maybe it's not. I mean, this is in your first rodeo. I mean, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues. You, you know, this is something that's in your... Yeah, well, for, yeah but it, I was, I'm much better at that now than I was then, because uh, that, that one simple sentence that I just said had never really... I wasn't able to articulate that got back it. then. Got it. You know, so... The, the thing is, is that on a record, I write a song and I say, what is this song? And then I, the guys will play it and they'll know. Oh, this is a happy song. Okay, this is an angry song. Right. This is a melancholy song. And they make all the necessary adjustments. But these are our personal choices. Whereas when you, because it's like there's a system that, uh, and the system is that someone says, hey, would you like to write? Uh, score this film and you say yes then they send you a script which is really useless yeah it is i was going to say that you have to see the emotion you have to actually watch it to understand it right they send you a script and i've talked to composers they said boy i really love that script and it's neither here nor there right because and i did this once for a play uh i I wrote some incidental music for the revival of uh fences august wilson's play Mm -hmm. And the director hired me, so I read the play, and I wrote the music because I was, I was squeezing it in in between this tour and another project. And I sent it to him, and he says, "You know what the hell is this?" I said, "Come on, Kenny, it's the music, man. You know, I read the play." He says, "Yeah, but you didn't see this play. Right. You know, you don't get to bring your own emotion to bear. You have to see Denzel and Viola and what they're doing because it's their emotion you have to channel." Right. So I flew to New York on the one day off I had, you know, pissed off, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When 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 I actually saw the play, I mean, it reduced me to an emotional heap. <laughs> Just yeah. it, it was so powerful. And Kenny was absolutely right. Uh, almost 80 percent of what I wrote was completely useless. Like the intro was fine because the intro was happy and mm-hmm. great, but everything else I had to just rewrite everything. Start over. And it was a lesson that I learned. Well, and this, <laughs> these, these 40 years of learning experiences that you've shared throughout this conversation, you're teaching yourself, you're sharing that knowledge with others because you are teaching. Your father was a well-known educator. So I'm assuming all of this and then giving back and teaching others, was your father a true inspiration to get you into all this? Yeah, my father, the, the greatest gift my father gave me was he forced us to think. Yeah. He didn't tell us what the world was. He would always say, well, what do you think it is? Which was horrible as a teenager. You don't want to hear that no. crap. You just think, tell me what it is. He goes, nope. How'd that sound, Dad? He said, how do you think it sounded? You know, and after 10 years of that, and you go to school and people say things like, you know, what did you, how did you think? I said, well, what did you think? And then they get mad at me. I said, oh, I'm becoming my father. Great. <laughs> of course we all Great. do. Of course we do. Yeah. You know? So, so that's what, uh, what I do is I, 
I, t- I teach that same Socratic method that my uh, my dad instructed people. It's like you're not really teaching them how to play music; you're teaching them how to think. Well, you can see the great Branford Marcellus. He's going to be performing at the North Shore Center for the Performing Arts on Tuesday, January 23rd. And for tickets, you can visit Ticketmaster.com. What a great conversation, and I hope to see you in a little over a week here uh, in the Windy City. Thanks, Dave. I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. All right, news is next here on 720 WGN.